the theme of the book of Philippians is, okay, well, I'll give you over here because I think this side is more awake. The theme of the book of Philippians is indeed, that's right, uh, joy is holy hope, holy optimism. The Lord knows what he's doing. He's got a plan and a purpose, uh, even if it involves some new parts, right, Jim? He knows what he's doing. Uh, he's never failed me before, and I'm trusting him right now. That's what joy is all about. Lord, I, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to lean on you. You know what you're doing. But of course, anything that the Lord wants to do in our lives, the good stuff, the essential stuff like joy, uh, Satan is going to do what? He's going to try to steal, kill, and destroy it. Um, in today's passage, Paul is aware. He's talked a lot about joy. He's going to remind us right in the middle. Uh, oh yeah, don't forget joy. But he's going to remind us there are joy killers. Or if you will, joy destroyers or joy thieves that will come and try to kill and steal and destroy our joy. So let me say it loudly as we open up God's word together. Don't let Satan kill your joy. Don't let Satan destroy, derail, wipe out, steal your joy. We're in the book of Philippians chapter day, chapter 4. If you're able, would you stand with me? And we're going to read the first nine verses. Philippians chapter 4. And let me say it again. Don't let Satan kill your joy, right? Don't, don't let him. Verse 1, let's read together. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. Now I appeal to Yodia and Syntyche. Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner... To help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked hard along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the book of Philippians. Thank you for inspiring Paul to write it down just as you wanted. And thank you, Lord, that uh, it's changed lives down through the centuries. 
And thank you, Lord, for how it's changed lives uh, this summer here in Walloon. Thank you, Lord, for the good reminders, for the challenges. Um, I just want to pause for a moment, Lord, because uh, a good friend and a family member here at Walloon just got promoted, which is great news for him. So uh, we want to say thanks for the life uh, of Russ Baugh and how he's impacted many and many of us. And thank you, Lord, that he's walking the streets of gold like Marsha posted today. Thank you that he's more alive than he's ever been. But Lord, uh, we're hurting and Marsha is devastated and Joseph and Sam and Dom and Lord, that, that entire family, uh, I, I just lift them up. Lord, they, they're going to need all the peace and comfort and strength and grace and mercy that you got. Would you rain down on them right now? Lord, we invite your spirit to take charge today because this is your church. You come and move and uh, we'll give you praise. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with joy in their voices. Nope, you can't sit down yet. That was awful. There was no joy, only four voices. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with joy in their voices. You can be seated. I know we're sad because we lost somebody we love. But guess what? That's the whole point of joy. It's not dependent on circumstances and everything being happy and skippy. Lord, we trust you. We trust you. Okay? Okay. Joy killer number one. Verses two and three. Trouble with another follower of Jesus Christ steals joy. And here's, here's his... Here's his uh, advice. Work it out. <laughs> Whatever the dispute is, work it out. Uh, let, let's look at joy killer number one. Uh, here's what he says. Now, I appeal to Yodia and Syntyche. Uh, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. Uh, and I ask my true partner. Now, there's some real debate. Who's the true partner? Uh, is it Clement that he's talking to? Is it... Is he's talking to Timothy? Is he talking to Paphroditus? We don't really know. He says, uh, settle your disagreement. Ask my true partner to help these two women. For they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. Can you imagine being called out in a sermon and having me... Uh, Jody and Rachel, work out your troubles. Everybody in the church knows you guys are having trouble, and I'm telling you right in front of everybody, work it out, you two. Can you imagine? <laughs> I can't imagine doing it. But Paul is, is bold. Uh, settle your issue with Jody, Rachel. Rachel, work it out. You're draining joy out of the church. Settle your disagreement, is what he says. Now, we don't know what the issue was. I guess it really doesn't matter. I suspect it wasn't a sin issue, because if it was a sin issue, I think Paul would take sides. But, but he says, uh, it seems like everybody's taking sides. Some are for Jody, some are for Rachel, some are for Yodia, some are for Syntyche. And I'm just telling uh, we got to get this dealt with. The, the joy is being drained from the church family. Um, 
he says, look at it, I want to remind you how you used to work together as the same team to advance the gospel. I want to remind you, uh, you used to work together well. You used to get along and you were on the same team to advance Jesus and the church in Philippi. So he says, here's why I want you to work it out. Because you belong to the Lord. Isn't that a good reason? That's like the best reason. Because you belong to the Lord, that's why we work things out. Essentials, unity. In essentials, there should be unity. In non-essentials, in things that aren't biblically based, that, that we have liberty. In, in non-essentials, liberty. But in all things, charity. In all things, love. Got it? That, that's huge. Um, in essentials, we're going to unify around the key main things, right? Uh, in non-essentials and little, little things, there's liberty, there's freedom. But in all things, charity. In all things, we show love. Uh, they're apparently not disagreeing with a lot of love. Uh, Everybody seems to know about it. Um, everybody's taking sides. And, and, and please understand, th this is huge. These aren't troublemakers. These are core members of the church family in Philippi. They, they weren't trouble. They were people God's used to build his kingdom and advance his church. And now they've gotten off track. And now Paul is saying, you know what? That has to quit. Enough of that. Settle your disagreement. And, and some of you come alongside and help them settle their problem with each other. Okay, So that's joy killer number one. And it's almost like Paul said, okay, before I give you the other two joy killers, uh, I want to remind you about joy. I, I want to just give you a little reminder of the need for joy in the church family. So... Uh, here we go, verses 4 and 5. He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I'm going to say it again. <laughs> Rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord's coming soon. This is all going to be over pretty quick. Remember the Lord is coming back. Rejoice in the Lord. When does it say there? How often? Okay. You got two people, it's right there in the passage. Rejoice in the Lord when? When does it say? How often? Always. That's that's pretty comprehensive, would you not agree? Always. So when you're facing surgery for the fourth time in a year, Paul tells me, Tell me what I should do. Tell me. Rejoice. Okay? When the pandemic is surging and people you know and love are sick and dying, Paul says, I want you to do what? Tell me what you're supposed to do then. Oh, yeah. It's, it's rejoice. Um, what if it might rain on the big day out that we've been planning for months, and we got 13 people getting baptized, and, and it's a big deal. What should we do anyway? And come anyway, too. Okay. Now, I want to point out a couple things here. The object of our rejoicing is... The Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Be full of joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? So he's not saying Hakuna Matata. 
He's not saying, eh, whatever. He's saying rejoice in Jesus Christ. There, there's an object of our... Re the reason why we rejoice is the same reason why Yodia and Syntyche need to settle their disagreement. It's because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that not make sense? Uh, nothing could ever separate us from our Savior and King, Jesus Christ. He's good, how often? And all the time he's, he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's all-wise. He never changes, he's awesome, he's got a plan, he's got a purpose, he knows what he's doing, he's never failed us, he never will. Therefore, we rejoice in Jesus Christ our Lord. And note, please, that rejoice is a verb. And verbs are what? Actions, okay? This has nothing to do with whether you feel like rejoicing or not. That, that's, uh, I would rejoice, but I don't feel like rejoicing. And that's not what's going on here, okay? He says, I'm going to rejoice even when I don't feel like it. Even when my emotions aren't there, we rejoice. Here, here's, here's the truth. When you obey God's word, you make God's word the engine and the feelings are the caboose. Do you understand? That's what the way it's supposed to work. And we do what God's word says. We rejoice. And guess what? Ready? The feelings will follow. We, if you put your feelings in the engine spot, that's going to be a problem. You're going, you're going to live a really sad life if you're always waiting to feel like doing what God's word says. Happiness comes and goes. Happiness depends on circumstances. It has to be just to my liking. Then I might be happy. Shall I remind you? Joy is so much different. Joy is not dependent on circumstances. Joy is holy hope, holy optimism. Jesus, you got this. You got a plan. You got a purpose. I might not get it, but I trust you. You've never failed me. You know what you're doing. That's joy. That, that's living out joy. And it's rejoicing in the Lord. And then the feelings follow. Keep your feelings in the place they belong. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Nehemiah 8.10. Okay. So, joy killer number one. Trouble with other believers in the church family. Uh, then we get a little reminder. The need for joy. Rejoice always. And now we come to joy killer number two. And that is worry and anxiety kills joy right away. Okay, Worry and anxiety kills joy instantly. Don't worry about anything, Paul says. Pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Verse 6. Here's what Paul writes. Don't worry about what? Don't worry about what? Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and our minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Worry is likely the most committed sin in the church. 
worry is also the most accepted and most excused sin in the church family. For some reason, we think, well, well, everybody worries, so it must be okay. Men, give me your eyes. I know you might not sit around in fearful shaking. Men, we show it differently. When we get worried, we get frustrated, Ron. We get angry, and then we say, well, I'm just angry. No, you're worried, and you're showing your worry with your anger and your frustration. So let me just say to us men, we don't get off the hook here. We just show it differently often than our wives and our daughters and our granddaughters. So worry at core is not trusting the Lord with a situation. Okay, Pick a situation you're facing right now, and it's not fun, and it's not happy, Henry. Um, and that situation, I have a choice. I'm either going to pray about it, or I'm going to worry, fret, stew, get angry, get frustrated. Pick, pick the way you show it. But, but you have a choice. That's what worry is all about. I, I'm not going to pray about it. I'm not going to give it to the Lord. Instead, I'm going to hold on to it. Fret, stew, worry, frustrated, angry. I don't have time. Matthew 6, 25 to 34. I told myself, look up and see if you got time. I don't. But I would encourage you, homework, Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount gives a long, uh, involved uh, teaching about worry. And, and I'll just cut to the chase. King Jesus orders his followers, stop the worrying. Stop the anxiety. Stop the fretting. Stop the anger. Stop the frustration. And here's what he says. It's wrong and it's sin. We're acting and behaving like pagans. When we're fretting and stewing and worrying and angry and all frustrated. Uh, it's a command and there aren't any exceptions. Stop it, is what he says. Back to the text, verse 6. He says, uh, I want you to mix thankfulness. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Little reminder, why would I want to be thankful? Because look at what Jesus has done. So do a little counting of your blessings. And then he says, um, and then give him whatever is worrying and fretting and stewing. He says, give him the problem. Don't worry about it. Pray about it. Give the situation to the Lord. And enjoy the wonderful exchange that he brings to us. Here's how it goes. Are you ready? We present him the worry. This is angering me. This is frustrating me. This is causing me uh, anxiety, Lord. I give it to you in prayer. And then look at verse 7. Look at the exchange. This is cool. Okay? We give him the bad stuff, what's overwhelming me. And verse 7, he gives us an exchange. His perfect peace. That's a good exchange, is it not? In return, he gives us his peace to guard what? When you're all worried, Fred, if you're angry, if you're frustrated, what gets worked up? What does he say? My heart and my mind. 
He says, I'm going to protect your emotions and your thoughts and your attitudes. I'm going to guard your heart and your mind in exchange with my peace. Which means we have two options. Okay? Uh, option number one, if there's no God and he's done nothing in my life, if the Lord has not removed condemnation and canceled the power of my sin, if the Holy Spirit is not alive in me, then I might as well go ahead and let it rip and worry and stew and anger and frustrated. Okay? So if there's no God and he's done nothing in our lives, then worry. You, you, you can be filled with anxiety. You're on your own. Option number two. Run to Jesus, who's near, it says. Take him your heavy burdens, take him your fearful situations, and trust the Lord to work out his plan and his purpose in your life. So, you got, you got the choice. You, you can, you're on your own, just live that way. Worry, fret, stew, angry, frustrated. Or, here it is, Lord, and, and it's big, and, and I'm going to try to hold on, and it's going to not do good things in my life. I give it to you. So, the key here, give me your eyes for a second. I'll give you my, even including my bad eye, okay? We've got to train our minds so as soon, the first instinct, as soon as I feel stressed and anxiety, as soon as I'm tense or frustrated or angry, I instantly take that to the Lord. That's the challenge we have as followers of Jesus. Lord, help me right now. As soon as you feel it, Lord, here, I fire up that, I'm going to give you this situation. You understand? So, so as soon as you're feeling it, you've got to give it to the Lord. Otherwise, you're going to, and it's going to, it's going to drain the joy. And note again, the Lord says, just give it to me, verse 7, and I'll give you my holy calmness, my peace. To guard your heart and your mind. Now, now here's something kind of cool. The word guard, guard your heart and your mind. Uh, literally, it means a legion of Christ's best soldiers you're calling in to stand guard of your heart and your mind. Isn't that cool? So literally, he's, he says, and when you do, I'm going to send a legion of my best soldiers, and they're going to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. They're, they're going to guard, take guard of your worry, your fear, your frustration, your anger. Joy killer number one, trouble in the family, in the church family. Uh, joy killer number two, worry, anxiety, fear, kills and drains joy. Joy killer number three, verses eight and nine, I'll call this stinking thinking, is a joy killer, okay? Fix your mind, fix your thoughts on the good and godly stuff. Uh, verse 8, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things. They're excellent. They're worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Okay? Now, let me just say, these are not just 
random thoughts that Paul pulled out of the air, you know, uh, whatever's true, honorable, right. This is not an ancient version of the power of positive thinking. Okay, um, th- This is not, oh, wh- what should we be thinking about? Well, well, let's just think positively. No, no, no. Uh, Paul is telling us, inspired by the Holy Spirit, there are six virtues that enable us to stand firm when Satan and his demonic army are raining down fiery darts on the church. Okay, So these are six virtues, six things to focus our attention on so that we can stand when the enemy attacks. And can I just say something to you honest? Maybe it's just me, but I've never seen the enemy be so busy as he is right now. He's... he's Firing, launching, fiery darts by the dozens and the hundreds, okay? So this really matters. How do you withstand that? Well, Ephesians 6, put on your armor. But these virtues show us this is how you resist the attack. Uh, Verse 8, number 1. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Jesus tells us, I am the way. I'm the life, and I am the, the truth. Jesus is the truth. Definition of truth, and you're not being smart, you're just being honest. Jesus, Jesus is and embodies and gives truth. Uh, second thing, we fix our minds on what is honorable, verse 8. Who is more honorable than Jesus, who will receive all honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Revelation 5.13. Jesus is the one who deserves all honor. Uh, Number three, fix your attention on what is right. Verse eight, what is correct? What is the proper direction to go? And I would argue God's word, the Bible is the blueprint, the, the map, the instruction manual for us to get our bearings. This is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. It's the word of Jesus Christ, his inspired book. That's what is right. Number four, fix your focus on what is pure. Verse eight, who is more pure than Christ who lives in light so brilliant that no human can approach him? First Timothy six and verse 16. Uh, Number five, fix your thoughts on what is lovely. Verse eight, what is more lovely than Jesus who's made everything beautiful in its time? Ecclesiastes 3.11. Number six, fix your mind on what is admirable. Who is more admirable than Christ Jesus? Who if everything that he did was recorded The whole world, it says, could not contain the books that would be written. John 21 and verse 25. Okay? So, what is Paul telling us with these six virtues? What's his message to us? And here it is. um, When we're tempted to worry and fret and wallow in fear and get angry and frustrated. You ready? Focus your eyes on Jesus. That's what he's saying. 
Get your attention on Jesus and His Word and His goodness. That's the purpose of these things we're supposed to fix our attention on. It's all about who Jesus is and what He's done and what He's given to us in His Word. It says something very similar, 2 Corinthians 10.5. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. <laughs> um, how many of you are prone once in a while, I'll slip my hand up, to, uh, if nobody's looking and nobody's around much, maybe some of you are just bold and you do it when everybody's there, but you grab the milk carton out and instead of pouring yourself uh, uh, a glass, what, what do you do? By the way, when I was looking this up, it's, I, I didn't realize it's not really good for everybody, but uh, there you go. Um, anyway, um, Caleb, do we have that picture? Anyway, let's put that up. Yeah, there you go. When, you, when you're doing that, when you're taking the, the big swig out of the milk carton, if you're smart, what do you do first? If you're smart, well, I'm going to check the date first. I'm more of a date checker, Okay. Is this old milk? How, if it's old, how old is it? Take a sniff. You're right. Does it smell like cottage cheese? You know, you, you, you want to check it out before you gulp it because you don't want to swallow gross stuff. Can I get an amen? No, you don't want to. It'll make you sick. Um, Paul is saying here, don't swallow gross ideas and thoughts. That, that's his point. Uh, stinking thinking will make you sick. So if you swallow everything coming your way and you don't take it captive and say, no, thank you, I'm not swallowing that, you're going to be sick. It'll drain your joy. Stinking thinking feeds anxiety and worry and fear and frustration and anger that he's just talked about. That's his idea here. If you don't think right, if you don't think about the proper things, you're not going to have any joy. It's going to make you sick. Paul closes this section with some personal thoughts. Verse 9. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. <laughs> I really like what he says here. Look, look at it, verse 9, okay? Put into practice what I've taught you. Put into practice the instruction you received from me. You've been listening to me? That's great. Put it into practice. Have you been paying attention to my example? Put it into practice. Okay? So that's huge in the church because sometimes we're listening. Oh, yeah, I got it. But are you living it? Put it into practice. Live it out. It's time to do it, is what he says, Church of Philippi. It's time to do it, Church at Walloon. It's huge. Put it into practice. Now, now here's what I like about this section here. It's meant for everyday lives. Th this section is not pie in the sky. He's not talking about the hypostatic union. He's not talking about the... Uh, millennial, pre-mill, post-trib. He's not talking 
theological jargon here, Paul is talking to where people are living. He's talking, he's talking to us about everyday real life. And here's his conclusion here as you read all this. The secret of the Christian life, are you ready? It's knowing and talking and having a personal relationship with the person who lives in us. Jesus in us and working through us. I think that's worth saying again, okay? The secret of the Christian life, the power of the Christian life, is knowing and talking and having a daily relationship with Jesus Christ. <laughs> he lives in us and he's working through us and allowing his power and his good fruit to work through our lives. We're the conduit, if you will, through which he works. Religious talk and debate has its place. But I'm just telling you, most unchurched people don't care about our religious debating. Um, that's why Paul's talking about real life here. There's a dispute going on between two leading ladies in the church. People can identify. I get that. There's disputes everywhere. Uh, secondly, he talks about worry and anxiety and fears that we all face. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. Yep, that's real life. I, can, I get that. Uh, and he's talking, third, uh, he's talking, you know, the other thing that'll kill and drain your joy, when you fix where you fix your thoughts, your attitudes, your, your, your focus, where is it when trouble appears? It better be on Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the answer to every trouble, every worry, every pain, every situation we face. Okay? Matter of fact, let me say it this way. Jesus is the answer to every joy killer that Satan is launching at us. Every, everything that, that he's trying to kill, steal, and destroy, Jesus is the answer. And when we abide and put him on, because the, the essence of the armor, you're putting on Jesus. Okay, Everything he's doing to discourage and derail us, Jesus is the answer. Two thoughts as we close. You ready? Don't let Satan kill your joy. Don't allow it. And second, church family, always be full of joy. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice. Joy is huge. It's an essential. Rejoice. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, sending the greatest gift that's ever been offered, your sinless Son, our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. We praise you for Jesus. And I pray right now, if there are any here or watching online who don't know your Son, Jesus, personally, would you make them hungry? Would you make them thirsty to know you, to say yes? Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I receive. If you're watching this morning online, you can hit that prayer button right now. Jesus is knocking hard on heart's doors. And if you hear him knocking, here's what it says. Revelation 3. Open the door and I'll come in. Open the door. Let him in. That's where joy begins.
Jesus, I believe you left the glory and splendor of heaven for me. I believe, Jesus, you are the sinless lamb of God. You took my place on the cross. Jesus, I believe you shed your blood for my greatest problem in life. I'm a sinner. Jesus, I believe you took my place in the grave. And Jesus, I believe early Sunday morning, for me, you literally, bodily, physically arose for me. And right now, I open the door of my heart, my life, and I invite you in. Come be my king. Come be my savior, my Lord. If you make that decision today, if he's knocking and you hear him, and you open the door of your heart, would you let us know? We'd like to help you get started on that journey. We'll get you a Bible. We'll get you going. We'll help you on uh, the best decision of life, saying yes to Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the practical instruction we just digested from your book. Lord, I pray for any disputes here in the church family. Would you help us to settle them quickly with love and grace? and kindness. I pray for those who struggle with worry and fear and frustration and anger. Lord, would you help us to learn not to worry about anything, but pray about everything. And I pray for our stinking thinking. Lord, uh, so many voices, so many images coming our way, would you help us to learn to sniff and take every thought captive before we digest whatever's coming our way. I pray for joy in your church at Walloon, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' strong name. Amen.